Hey guys, what's up? It's Lizzie Jane, and you're tuning in to another episode of the XO Podcast. We are back in the studio. I want to thank each and every one of you who have listened to the first live series of my podcast. We just did the last 10 episodes live from Forbidden Kingdom that happened in June in Orlando, Florida. Spoke with Virtual Riot, Little Texas Company, Figure, Asora, and so many more phenomenal artists. So if you want to take a listen to those episodes, they're formatted a little bit differently than the traditional open-ended conversation, but those are all up on my YouTube and Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, so on and so forth. Don't forget you can listen to those episodes ad-free on my Patreon at www.patreon.com backslash this is Lizzie Jane. I also give out tons of content from vlogs to podcast bloopers, sample packs, tutorials, and much more. Make sure to check the link out below. Let me know if you guys have any questions in the comments or feel free to email me, DM me, whatever is best for you. This week, we are back in the studio. I had a wonderful, critically acclaimed YouTube reviewer that goes by the name of Naughty Step. I've been wanting to sit down and speak with Connor for quite some time. I love his takes on things. I love how unfiltered, brutally honest, but respectful he is when it comes to commentary on EPs, albums, opinionated reviews, and so on and so forth. Thank you, Connor, for coming on. Don't forget to check out his YouTube channel linked below. He posts videos almost every other day. So make sure to check that out below as well as his Patreon. It Lives just dropped a guest mix for me on XO Radio number 99. We have a phenomenal guest for episode 100 of XO Radio. So make sure to check that out below as well. Don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel, follow the podcast, leave an Apple review as long as you are going to be a sweetheart like I know my listeners are. Without further ado, I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. This is Lizzie Jane and you're tuning into the EXO podcast. Thank you for coming on. I greatly appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nice to like eat. E meet you. So it is six o'clock your time, correct? Six o'clock, six oh one right now. Absolutely. Beautiful. Awesome. So where are you from? Where am I from? Yes. Uh, I am in London. Okay. Great. Uh, north of London. Have you heard awesome. of are you familiar with London? A bit, not quite. What I know about London is from uh, Pat and Josh from Modestep, and that's about my insight to London. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I live just outside of a uh, very famous part of London called Camden. Okay, I know Camden. It's where, uh, where a lot of uh, teenagers congregate, mostly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just walking around like stalls and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a big, uh, ma- massive part of my of my childhood, but yeah, still still living around there just outside yeah that's awesome is um how's everything going in retrospect to covid quarantining i know it's a very different state than what we are dealing with here in the united states right now yeah i mean at the moment i mean we're just kind of i think in a similar situation to you guys and that you know we're slowly getting out of it um people are going out now going to clubs going to events all that kind of thing Okay, well, that's amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, that's where we're at. Like, festivals just kind of slowly coming back and stuff like that. Mm. Um, cases are, um, 
I think steadily at the moment on the decline, but that could be a thing of people not actually reporting them. So, you yes. know, it's, um, that's kind of the situation we're in right now is that I think there are a lot of people in this country who are just um, very much uh, fed up with the situation to the extent that they don't even want to, you know, have the NHS app on their phone and stuff like that. And they don't want to report what's going on or they just don't, because we have this like pinging system here as well. Okay. So it's like if you um it's like if you've been around someone who might have it or who has COVID, you will get a, a notification through the app or you'll get a text message or something like that. And if you get that, that means you have to quarantine and stay at home for a bit. Okay. Um but you know, some people are just exempting themselves from that outright so they don't have to know about it at all. But you know. Well, in the long, long term of things, I, I think that's that's not for the the better of the overall good. However, I think the same thing did happen here where we just reached a threshold. Of course, we were not as organized as you all because we just have way more people and and we're so divided and you know all of that stuff. I'm sure you see it and have read about it and such, but we reached a point, I think shortly before the vaccine started to roll out where everyone was just over it. They were done. And and I think the problem with us is because we're so divided politically is you have, I live in Florida. So I live in a state where our governor is like, there will be no mask mandates. There will be no, you know, mandatory testing, mandatory vaccine proof. And then, you know, you get compared to somewhere like New York, where you have to have almost a vaccine passport to go into clubs and restaurants and all of that. So you know, it's it's just a crapshoot right now. I just I just really hope that the general consensus can eventually come to the conclusion that we we need to get vaccinated in order for things to you know keep happening. Yes, yes, um, absolutely. I don't I don't want to freak you out freak you out. Sorry, right now, but I did just change my uh, my input for my audio. So no, oh, no, is- that's fine. It actually sounds way better now. Now it is definitively on the microphone, the audio technica. We're here. We're live. We're here. We're, we're here. I love audio technica. I, I just switched to the Sure SM7B because that is just the, the podcast mic. But I, I still record vocals and such using my audio technica. Very good brand. Used it forever since day one, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but anyways, getting away from COVID, I don't want to bring that negative bearing down on top of our conversation. It, it has to be addressed. You know, it has to be addressed. It has to be addressed. And and it just, before we kind of hop onto other things, I just really hope people understand that our industry will not be able to survive this again. I, I really don't think so. And I know it was just as bad where you all are and it lasted for longer the whole everything shutting down, uh, you know, in that whole retrospect than it was over here. But we're just getting our grant money starting to be distributed to these independent venues. And it's like, even though things are open, there's still hundreds of venues who don't even have the money to open their doors. So I can't imagine us going backwards again. Terrified. Yes. Um, you know, it's uh, it's kind of... It's difficult, you know, trying to stick with um, your own, well, what what you, just just what you think is right, I suppose, while so many people aren't doing that. But I'm always going to say, like, stick to your guns, like, stick to what Mm -hmm. you know and what you think is right. It's very tempting to kind of follow, you know, a lot of the people who aren't, who are kind of going out of their way to not, 
not follow the rules and whatnot. But yeah, you know, ultimately we want to be in a situation where we're going to Lost Lands, we're going to EDC or whatever, and we're not yes. caring about this at all. Um, we're not quite there at the moment, you know, with, with you know, the festivals are going on and it's gonna happen and all that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we wanna we wanna have that that perfect moment again very soon. So yeah. Absolutely. I, I know with all of the festivals being rolled out, I feel like in the States they're starting to cram about 12 months of festivals and to about five. And it's how many can we can we push forward and can we keep on moving? But I think something that kind of intertwines with what you really stand for, I think you and your YouTube channel and your Discord has created this space and it's it's elegantly executed in which you highlight the up and comers and the underground while all the while touching on, you know, the mainstream artists, you do the EP reviews, you do the album reviews. For everyone listening though, very quickly before we just hop into it, can you give me a little introduction overview of what you do, Connor, with uh, the YouTube reviews, everything on all of your different platforms, just so our listeners, if they don't know you, they can get to know you really quick. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I am, I suppose the base music review guy, I suppose you could say like you are. Um, my, my, my channel is just about, um, it's just about covering both in an in-depth and a kind of reactionary way as well. Uh, bass music of all kinds, whether it's dubstep or trap music or house music, drum and bass, whatever. Um, and it all kind of came out of a, uh, of a desire to, to marry the fact that there wasn't that currently available when I wanted to do it mm-hmm. and it being my biggest passion. So if you weave in with that as well, the fact that uh, from my earliest, my earliest years, I was a massive, like, I was a very journalistic person. Mm-hmm. Like my mum was a journalist. So I just grew up with people who loved writing, whether it was a uh, fact or fiction. And, um, yeah, I just, I just basically over time realized that there wasn't anyone covering that music in that way. And so I was just like, I am going to be, well, I want to be the Anthony Fantano of, you know, this music. Do you know what I mean? Like there's, there's, it, it became a thing of becoming aware of people who were doing it for other kinds of music. And then just, again, not, not finding anyone who's doing it for bass music. And then just connecting the dots, putting two and two together and being like, yeah, I'm going to start a channel where I cover these genres in a very analytical, in-depth way. Um, and here we are. That That's me, essentially. I love it. And it and it's when I've watched your videos in the past, do you have any background in musical training or production knowledge? Uh, so I used to. I used to play the piano and the guitar. Okay. Awesome. Uh, I had I had lessons in both, but um I I didn't carry them on for long enough and I wish I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad my dad was like uh, he was in bands when he was younger, he was touring and all this kind of thing. Uh awesome. this was long before I was, you know, I was even a, a thought in his imagination, you know. Okay. Um but then um uh then yeah, you know, after that just kind of started listening to music more and more. I was uh, producing in a trio for a bit. Okay. Um, with two other mates of, uh, from school of mine. Uh, that was great fun. 
uh, kind of learned what that was all about. Um, but then, yeah, I, I just slowly realised that I had a lot of opinions. I had a lot of opinions on everything that I heard. So there was, uh, I, I was writing a blog as well at the same time in the midst of doing the producing, the instrument playing here and there and whatnot. Um, and then I just kind of realised that people don't read anymore. So um, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, YouTube, YouTube is very much the place for um, reviewing. And then, yeah, yes. became aware of people like Fantano and uh, also Landon Remixes, actually, uh, someone who I'm very, uh, very close with now. He was covering different kinds of electronic music. There was a bit of crossover, but I essentially just became aware of other people doing it. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's fine that people don't read as much anymore. I wanted to carry the blog on as a kind of written thing, but YouTube was just so much better for getting the views out there, getting the opinions out there. And so, yeah, it was just a pretty straightforward situation, basically. Yeah, absolutely. I I just wanted to ask that because when I listen to your views, whether it's the opinion-based pieces or the the EP or live track listen-throughs, you know, you use very technical terms here and there. So I wanted to know if there was a little bit of background there. And it sounds like you come from you know, quite the creative family, which is awesome because then hopefully, you know, on the back end, they're supportive of what you do because I've, I've talked to artists as well as, you know, industry professionals where their parents are all in or their parents are like, what the hell are you doing? And, and, and it's, it's always, yeah, it's always interesting to hear about someone's background and, and YouTube has just become quite the platform where you mix consistency with quality and you just, have patience and time and it builds and it builds and it builds. And the first time that I discovered you was actually over COVID when we were all locked inside. So how long, yes. So how (laughs) long have you been building your page for? So the blog started, which was also called Naughty Step. I was going to ask that. Yeah. Yeah. The blog started in around... 2013 but it was very very off and on so um at that point I was just about finishing school um and that was when I was really like really getting into electronic music properly I was like wow this is like a massive passion um I'd written about um football or soccer as you would know it as beforehand um but yeah I I just kind of my the passion for music just kind of took over um, and then it was it was very much on and off, and I went through university and all of that, not being able to start the YouTube channel because I just didn't have time. Like I was doing a degree, and that's very time consuming. Um, mm-hmm. But then, yeah, uh, in at the end of 2017, it was yeah, I was like, well, midway through 2017, I was like, I'm going to start the channel on this exact date. I'm not going to tell anyone about it before so that no one has any kind of preconceived notion of what I'm going to do and what direction I'm going to take in my life. You know, big announcement, all that kind of thing. All very exciting. Um, And then, yeah, uh, 27th, I think, of December, June 2017. So I've been going about three and a half years or so. About three and a half years. Honestly, for for, for about 20,000 subscribers who very actively engage with your content, that's not too bad. It's, 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 something that I have just learned through experience, it doesn't really matter what you're doing in any creative facet or, you know, content creating, releasing music, you know, writing scores, X, Y, and Z. It's, it's just all about time. And, and it really, you see people who are 
especially in an artist's view. Oh, they popped out of nowhere. Oh, you know, I've never seen them before. Da, da, da. That's about 10 years into their career. And that's Absolutely. about, you, you know, so it's, it's very interesting to see everyone's backstories and, and the way that you just kind of found this niche. And I think especially with the way our industry is progressing right now is because there's so many YouTube reviewers and there's so many artists and there's so many, you know, uh, creative designers and visual artists. It's finding that niche that's making what you're doing unique and, and finding what somebody else isn't covering quite yet. That's why I started this podcast. That's why you're covering bass music, you know, and, and then you realize that even though the following isn't, you know, this huge sea of people, it's, it's, I've always said that I rather have a smaller group of people like live or die for the things that I'm doing, then try and appease everyone. Because at the end of the day, those aren't going to be the people who are fully invested in you and your music or your channel growing, you know? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you have, you genuinely have channels out there, um, you know, regardless of whatever kind of thing they're going for that have hundreds of thousands of subscribers and they get 2000 people watching every video. So it's like, Mm -hmm. Exactly what you're saying, you know, do you, do you want to have, you know, a load of, you know, th- these people could be bots as well, these subscribers, do you know what I oh, mean? Absolutely. Like they, they could be bought. So it's like, do you want a real community of people that you know are going to comment on pretty much every video, they're going to engage in the discussion, um, they're going to wait for your videos, they're going to just love being a part of that community, or mm-hmm. do you want the opposite of that? And obviously the answer is the first one. So yeah, we're we're building a community of essentially people that love to talk about the music in a very in-depth and also respectful way. Um, you know, I like to I like to preach the thing of, you know, obviously I'm not gonna make people say certain things or whatever, but I like to be that person saying, I don't want to see you writing trash or garbage in the comments without, you know, giving any kind of context or reasoning for why you think something it's all about you know having the 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 artist in mind when you're saying what you're saying you Mm. can say what you think because otherwise i'm not sure i'm not sure there's a point in saying something if it isn't actually what you think um but yeah we're just trying to build that community of people who really want to talk about the music and say what they feel and in a respectful way you know and people, people latch onto that because it's like there, there isn't or there hasn't been a space for that. You know, up until now, it's been four line paragraphs on EDM websites like and that and that somehow constitutes as a review. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I'm reading that and I'm like, blimey, look, I, I could I could do a job for that website. Do you know what I mean? But on the other hand, I can just try and carve it out myself. And that that's essentially what I've done and what I'm about, what I'm trying to do. Absolutely. And it takes like more, I would say, like gusto to do it that way. But the long term um, lineage and development of you doing your own path, I think, is going to be so much more fulfilling than you receiving um, a one sheet or a press release and then just rewriting it. Because that's what, unfortunately, the majority of the sites do. You know, they get the press release. They get, you get them all the time too, I'm sure, for YouTube reviews. And then we just live in this time where, one, people don't read as much, even though 
you know, the press coverage is important on my side from what I've understood for verification and for coverage from bigger articles and bigger sites like Forbes or, you know, um, Mm -hmm. like Billboard and such. This is such a transparent and unfiltered way to speak about art. And I think it's, it's really cool because we live in this time, no matter where we are at, where the cancel culture exists and, and you have to watch what you tweet. You have to watch the pictures you post because I'm, I'm pretty convinced now you're always going to piss someone off. So if, if you're able to, you know, just how we're doing this here, there's no one commenting saying, oh, that's not right. Da, 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 da. If you don't like it, leave a comment. I'll take it into consideration and gladly go on my way. And I feel like that's what you do in your retrospect as well, all the while staying respectful to the artist. Because I think the artist is the only one who really, in my mind, matters when you're giving a review on, you know, their said time and investment into, you know, a certain body of art. And and art is a form of opinion, you know? So everyone's entitled to have their own opinion. I know you've received, I want to say, heat uh, before for certain reviews. And and it's just kind of like, instead of telling your friends you didn't like the album, you're just putting it on YouTube. And, and you're entitled to have that opinion. But the way that you're also like, you're not just putting it out there and, and you're not going to not respond to someone saying, you know, in the Yuki incident, um, you know, you address that whole thing and you were incredibly respectful. And I think that's the most that you can do. And I just want to know like the back point in your mind when you approach an EP or, or an album or a live track review, how are you kind of going about it in your mind to explain your thoughts, but also tiptoe on that line? Or do you just not care? Um, so. For me, it's always about, because, you know, I think it's a different thing, right? Mm-hmm. We have to look at different kinds of reviewers for me. So the thing that I always say is that with Fantano, for example, he can say pretty much what he wants about most artists, because most people he's talking about, there's such a massive gap, right? Mm-hmm. Between him and Kanye West, for example. Kanye West, he might watch his review, you know, by this point... Antano's got two and a half million subs, whatever it is, right? He might watch his review. He might get pissed off at it, whatever. Ultimately, there is that, there is that, you know, disconnect almost to the point where Fantano probably, well, definitely does feel like he can say whatever he wants. He can be as rude as he wants, blah, blah, blah. The difference with me, right, is that I can contact anyone that I review very easily on Twitter and they will probably see it and they might reply. So, you know, obviously you get the bigger ones like Skrillex or whatever. But for the most part, all the people that I talk about, whose music I talk about, they are they are within reach very easily. Do you know what I mean? So for me, it's just a thing of always keeping keeping my kind of credibility as someone who is a reviewer and, you know, always having in my head of, there is no point in you doing this if you're not going to say what you actually think. It's not doing anyone any favors. But at the same time, you do have to respect the fact, the fact, sorry, that these people spend days, hours, weeks, months putting together this stuff. Ultimately, it's for them. They put it out there, but they're making the music how they want to make it. And you have to respect that. 
So it's always a thing of saying what I want to say and having that in mind. And that results in me, you know, sometimes coming off a bit abrasive. But when I do come off a bit abrasive, I can be a lot worse. I'll say that I can be far, far worse. So me not being that, like with the Yuki example, there was a part of me, there was like an hour or so where I was writing it, I was putting down notes and stuff. And I was like, at this point, I can either decide to really, really go go for it and like lash, lash out, right? But I'm not going to because ultimately these people spent time making the music. They're not making it badly on purpose. Do you know what I mean? They're trying to do it as good as they can. They're doing it. They're doing it, you know, with, with their fans in mind, with streams in mind, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's always a juggling of, again, saying what I want to say and having in mind the fact that someone actually spent time making this for them and for other people. So that's it. That's the balancing act right there. It's like finding that happy medium ground where you're still, you know, exactly what you said, holding your credibility, uh, showing you're transparent to your your channel and your following, but all the while being like, okay, this is this is my opinion. And the other side of it is these guys made it for themselves. And, and I think that's super important at the end of the day too, because I think right now what we see is a lot of artists trying to hop on to these trends and they're making things that they don't necessarily uh, maybe like or are fond of. And I, I sat down with figure the other day and we were having this conversation about the trends and such. And he's just, you know, he stated by the time you master a certain technique or you learn how to make a certain subgenre of music, looking at specifically, let's say, the future rhythm wave that's come about in the last year, by the time you master it, it will be already passed. And it will be, you know, it, it will be that when you try to release something that's only a trend, you put a timestamp on it. And when that trend is gone, the song is done. And he said, so that's just why you have to just figure out what you want to do. And it takes a long time. I think seeing the evolution of an artist is very exciting. And, and I think we're getting to this point. I always use like Getter's Visceral Project as, as a perfect example. We're getting to this point where artists are becoming less and less afraid to be like, okay, I made this. I did an album with this. I, I spent the last five years of my life specifically developing this genre. And, and now I want to do something else because it is for me and they're becoming less afraid. And have you seen artists that you've reviewed over the years start to make those transitions to new genres? Absolutely. And I love it. You know, I'm, I'm all for, to me, like experimentation represents being free with your artistry. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What you were just saying there about uh, people feeling like they have to adhere to certain trends and stuff like that i mean of course i get it ultimately everyone is doing uh, anything for or with good reason you know with a good goal or a good end in mind they're not trying to piss people like me off or people mm-hmm. that are annoyed with the whole trends and tropes kind of thing they're, they're doing it for a for a specific good so you have to kind of as as the observer of that as the listener of the music you have to think about what is the reason that they might be doing that that being said, of course, I absolutely love it when an artist branches out and just, you know, does does something a bit more, a bit different. Because, yeah, to me, that that represents them being like, fuck it, and feeling confident in, you know, in what they want to do and just branching out a bit, doing whatever. Um, 
I think a good example is the new Must Die album um, because it's, there's just so many, so many different. Yeah, it's it's very good. I think I'm realizing the more the more that I listen to it, um, you know how much I enjoy it. But there's so many genres going on. It, it's a madness. Like when you think about when you listen when you listen to it from start to finish, it's it's pretty crazy the amount that's going on. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I'm hearing that, and I'm hearing the stuff he was putting out before. Um, you know, post Death and Magic, there's a little period where he's doing a lot of um quite like thinned out dubstep glitchy kind of style um then a bit more bro steppy kind of stuff back into that and then from there there's just a load of experimentation and um to me that is what that album crisis vision represents it's just like him you know maybe quite possibly during lockdown for the most part just allowing the artistry to run free and um it's awesome like that that's that's kind of what I want to hear you know Again, like I'm, I'm always going to be, um, well, not always that there are some exceptions, but for the most part I am for, at least I understand people doing what they think is working at the moment and what the trends and the tropes are. I'm always going to have the thought of, yeah, it's coming from somewhere. Um, there's a certain gap maybe that needs being filled. That's maybe making it a, a little bit different to what everyone else is doing. Uh, but I'm always going to be, I'm always going to be pushing experimentation and uh, yeah, just being a bit more playful with uh, creation a bit more, I would say. Yeah, for sure. I feel like that's the only way that our scene moves forward because it be- can become very stagnant. And I feel like you already see people speaking now just because they're not digging deep enough in my own opinion, but you know, they're back to, they were totally on the melodic wave and now shows are back and festivals are coming back. And I just keep seeing over and over again, it all sounds the same again. It all sounds the same. And I think a lot of the reason why people may be stating those things is because I really think the people who are pushing the boundaries aren't getting booked yet. And they're not on that mainstream platform that's going to continue to be like, holy shit. I think of like phone on. I think of those people who... Yes, is it out there? Absolutely. Yes, is it maybe a little bit not listenable to the mainstream EDM fan? Absolutely. But to a general consensus, if it never gets thrown out there, it's never going to stick with certain people. And I really hope in the next, I, I understand that we're rescheduling things from even end of 2019, 2020 tours, most festivals being released right now were already previously contracted. But I really think. 2022 to 2024, I hope to see some of those names that you've been covering that are really pushing that boundary, you know? Yeah, I I will always be vying for that, like so, so hard. Um, And yeah, I mean, it's true. You know, the festivals are coming back now. A lot of the similar kind of, you know, trends that people have been going for are coming back. Um, I think it's always difficult for me when people, you know, generalize about um, all the same people being booked for shows, blah, blah, blah. It does happen. There's always going to be just a bit of branching out from any festival. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we are getting that. But yeah, as you say, as you're implying, it's not quite enough. We have people like, uh, yeah, exactly. Phone on, people like Vare, just all these 
all these artists where the artistry is mind-blowing and you have to normalize amplifying these people to make it you know to champion the amount that goes into making music like that mm-hmm. otherwise all we're saying is if you're putting the, the the standard stuff always at the top the stuff that isn't quite pushing the boundaries the stuff that is sounding formulaic and is just dipping back into you know what we've heard time and time and time again by now if you're doing that then yeah as you say you're just saying that is the pinnacle that is it like that is what this music is about when actually the stuff that is really, you know, pulling through on the color, the melody, the composition, uh, the arrangement, the, the the structure, the progression from one section to another, the transitioning and the changes from BPM, all these kinds of things, right? That takes such a mad amount of skill. I'm not saying that the formulaic stuff doesn't. Of course, it does to an extent, but we're talking about trying to open our minds here as to what we are capable with when it comes to making or capable of, sorry, when it comes to making bass music, that stuff needs to be pushed forward a lot more, like simple as straight up. And uh, I'm never going to, again, I'm never going to stop vying for that. I'm never going to stop championing that stuff because I, I know the amount that people have to put in having made music myself. I know the amount that has to be put in to get to that point. So yeah, I'm all for that stuff being pushed forward a lot more for sure. Absolutely. And I think a lot of it, what makes it so special with the artists that you you just previously stated is that, you know, talking to legends like Virtual Riot, Barely Live, the main thing that they all focus on is when they were coming up and they were making music, there were no YouTube, you know, tutorials. There were no mentors. There were no schools like the Fire Society or Ill Gates' school. You know, if I want to figure out how to do something, I can go on Splice, I can get presets, I can just type it into Google and figure out in five seconds. And I think what these people are doing, there's no real tutorial for. There's They're really thinking out of the box, whether it's time signature changes or so on and so forth. I've always said, I think the main thing that hinders a lot of electronic artists is one, the fact that the very formulaic stuff is at the top of the people who get booked and get placed. And most people who make this type of music, you know, their dream is to be on festival lineups. Their dream is to be on the touring circuit and on big major agencies. And you want to sound like the people who are getting booked for those things. So I think it kind of fucks with the aspiring producer's mindset. And and I just really hope that it starts to you know, just a few people here and there. And I look at the power that some of these artists have, i.e. Sun Death putting phone on on all of his tour dates. I think I think when you have very large artists at that caliber and they push forward for certain individual artists that are making waves, doing very different stuff, that is how you get them to the main demographic of consumers who are listening to electronic dance music and bass music in general. Yeah, because you're 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 saying yeah, because you're 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 saying by by putting them on that kind of pedestal and that platform, you're saying this is the stuff to watch out for and check out. You're mm-hmm. championing it. You're you're literally like putting it right at the top like you're saying, I mean, I'm not saying like headline them or anything like that. But I'm saying like at least in the like the second bracket or maybe even the third bracket, do you know what I mean? The third band on a on a poster or whatever. But it's like 
yeah, when 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 the when the main names, when the kind of I suppose the main figures in a particular scene are are you know they're that they're in a in a big way they are the the spokespeople for a for a whatever whatever kind of culture or kind of art. If you're if you're saying yeah these are the people to check out, then people are going to be like oh, okay oh, I might I might check that out. Then I might go and you know go and see something different whilst I'm at the festival. I might. Uh, on a on a whim, just check check out something new, and that could end up, you know, happening for ten thousand people, and that's going to affect the streams of that artist. They're going to feel more confident to make more stuff like that, and then from there, it just becomes more and more normalised. So mm-hmm. I, I I'm never going to say that I don't get why festival organisers, producers, whatever, will keep going back to that stuff that is like you know. The, the I don't know what, what how, how I would even group this stuff together, but but it's it's a lot of headbang oriented kind of music, shall I say? Um, I'm never gonna say um, I'm never gonna say that I don't get why that stuff is put to the forefront, but I definitely am saying even more so, yeah, that we need more of the we need more of the ambitious, out there, off the wall crazy wacky unconventional music being really pushed forward in this scene because honestly it runs a massive massive risk as someone who is solely an observer of everything that's going on i'm not an artist at the moment i'm not you know deep in the touring mindset or schedule and i'm not kind of getting lost in the music making process my job solely is being on the outside and looking in and i'm telling you it's getting stale i'm i'm just saying it is for sure 100% getting stale and I could find a thousand or 2000 other people who follow what I'm doing, who would say the exact same thing, if not more. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it on, I've seen it on Twitter. I've seen it on Instagram live platforms. I've seen it in open unfiltered conversations that we're having right now. And, and I, I think it's like the shitty end of it is that from my knowledge and experience in in the shoes that I'm in right now as an up and coming artist who, you know, recently got picked up by a boutique agency doing X, Y, and Z, you know, the big agencies run the whole game. You've got about five big guys. You've got Insomniacs, you've got United Talent Agency, you have Paradigm who just got bought out by, I think, Was Talent Agency. And then, you know, you have Disco Donnie. And when you, and, and then you have a lifestyle events. And when you start to see the exchanges between these guys and and where all of these artists sit on each agency, you very, it very easily becomes explained as to why the lineups look like they do. And I, and I think it's just as important as people like you, as regular EDM consumers, um, you know, it's just as important for everyone to try and push for those new underground artists because at the end of the day, if a large enough group of people want to see a certain artist, a promoter will make it happen. They will go out on a whim. I've seen it. I've seen it in venues I've had residencies at. I've seen it in venues that I've helped talent buy for. If enough people want it to happen, they will go out on a whim and make it happen. But the demand has to be there. It comes from that demand from the general consumer, but it also comes from like bigger agents and bigger management teams taking a chance on artists. And I think like 
I've seen that with people like more kismet. Even Phonon got picked up by United Talent Agency, which is amazing. But there has to be the demand on the other side. And it's so hard to try and just like you made that tweet the other day talking about how. Which one? <laughs> oh, you, yeah, I know. I know. I love no, all your on, tweets and I'll go back and forth. It go was on, actually on, yeah. one that I just I just saw while I was scrolling. Um, I interacted with it. It was it was more so about, OK, I get that there's so many pieces of the puzzle that goes into being a successful touring artist, but the music should be the most important. And we're producers. So, you know, in the general consensus of being a producer, you should probably produce your own music. And and I, I think I commented that that is something about it is that simple and I wish it was that simple, but it's not. And and I think I think I, I don't know if if it's the brandability. I don't know if it's how it easy it is to sell someone, but right now what I see happening on the artist side of the industry is that, you know, it's, it's always happened, but I just see this importance of the music and the quality of it, the actual caliber of it, not the experimentation, not anything, but just like listening to the composition of it, the mixing, the mastering, it's just declining. And, and I don't really understand why it's declining amongst people who have existed for a decade and have been touring artists for a decade and why this this importance of quality is just starting to lack while those other pieces of the puzzle like like the branding like the looks like the social media is all taking this more important percentage and and I'm right there with you and it's just very you know everyone had so much to say on the industry side while we were in lockdown and it's kind of just what my gut told me that the second everything was going to open back up, it was going to go right back to normal. It was going to go right back to how it was before. Yeah. Um, which is obviously um, quite a depressing thought in a way, but it's not, to, it's not to say that we won't get to that point. It is very much mm-hmm. not to say that we won't get to the point where it is a normal thing that, uh, in this scene in particular, but for music at large, you know, the, you know, the people who are, that are getting the headline uh, kind of slots are the people who for a given year are the people who are killing it the most. And, you mm-hmm. know, I think it's fantastic that Excision, um, you know, leaves it up to, in a way, <clears throat> in a way, sorry, just leaves it up to a kind of, it's not a vote, but what is it? He, he has like a, a poll or a survey that people can... So he has he has a poll and a survey that I think is really awesome because you don't really get that chance. You know, certain festivals throw competitions and they throw all of this social media bullshit into it. But he has a Google Drive sheet where you can either you can put in. I think he does like a four week bracket where you can put in any artist name that you want. And then his team goes through it and they narrow it down to like. 75 or 100 out of all of probably the thousands of artist names that are put in. And then on that, he creates a a survey in which you vote for your top, you know, favorite upcoming artists you want to see on Lost Lands. And then you can still input another person's name. And I think that is given, not only does he do that, he is just such a not only pioneer for this genre, he's one of the biggest artists in genre, been around forever. Um, 
he's opened this window of opportunity for up and comers via, you know, give or take. I get it that it may not be the the highest quality of forward thinking music, but it's giving this place for these kids who just keep getting turned away by labels and they keep getting turned away by labels. And he's giving them a place to show their music to people who would never know that they existed. And I think that's really beautiful, even if the music isn't top notch, because everyone starts somewhere. And I, and I get it that, no, is it, is it comparable to the quality of, of Disciple or Never Say Die or Monster Cat? Absolutely not. But it, it holds this home in this niche where, you know, in five to 10 years, a lot of these artists on here, if they keep at it, they're going to be really fucking good. And, and that's what I think about it. Because I, I remember I would watch your um, Subsidia compilation reviews and, and I agree. And, and I think a lot of these artists right now are just finding their place and they're trying out different subgenres of bass music. And I think the more that they just iron through and put their head down and keep working at it, they'll find what their niche is and what they want to do, but they haven't quite got there yet. Yes. Yes. Um, and the, the, the hope is that, you know, these people, um, which I'm all for, by the way, you know, I, on the one hand, I'm, I've always said about, you know, subsidiary and whatnot. I've always said, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of what has come from the label, especially right at the beginning, just felt a bit bloated with how much there was and how much was going on. And, you know, a lot of it was, um, going for the same kind of thing that was just you know my kind of take on it um like you're saying at the same time a lot of these people are people who are starting out and yes. you respect that and you know you you, you want to hear it just knowing that this is someone who's maybe making i don't know their fourth or fifth song ever do you know what i mean and just knowing that is like wow this person's on a label owned by excision having made their fourth or fifth or whatever you know they, they they're clearly at, at the beginning, and yeah, I I you know you have to you have to kind of respect that and respect what Excision is doing with the label in that way. Even though yeah, I think in 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 quite a lot of ways, in um, quite a lot of factors and aspects and whatnot, the music that was coming out of the label, especially at the beginning, with that big announcement, the 120 songs or whatever it was, yeah, there there, there was a lot of stuff that was you know, quite similar sounding and the production wasn't all that. But again, you know, you rein it back into the fact that it is a platform, as you said, for the people starting out. That is obviously an incredible thing. And the exposure mm-hmm. they're going to get through that, um, that is how, that, that's how you start out. That's how you have like the confidence to go again and make music again. Because as you will know, you've probably experienced it yourself. Like, there are loads of people who are starting out who just don't feel the confidence to go again and make another tune and um, just do what they want to do, basically, which is super sad. But you do need confidence and kind of outside um, motivation to have your own motivation. So um, mm. I'm all for giving people that that um, that kind of push to keep going and uh, see where they can go from what they've done. I suppose absolutely, and I and I think it it serves a a purpose on both sides because, you know, he had just looking specifically at the compilations. I don't think anyone, including the artists, thought he was going to drop 120 different tracks via what I think it was four different compilations on one day. That's just a lot. 
It's it's a lot, but but I think you know you had some established names on there. You had the bigger guys. You had OG Nixon. You had Bear Grylls. You had you know people who were on the touring circuit. You had up and comers that had been you know making waves during COVID. And then I think you had these this this group of individuals that that I knew a lot of them personally. I've had them on EXO Radio, and it's like they've just been pumping for a long time, and they haven't gotten a not not necessarily saying this this label is giving them a break but giving them a platform to get in front of people who didn't know they existed before and then you have the newcomers and you have the people who maybe knew someone with the label or they knew someone here and there and they just got the song in their hands they're like hell we'll take it whatever so it's it's kind of dividing them all into those different categories and you receive just so many knows as an artist. That's just how it is. You know, you're going to receive, you know, a hundred times more knows than your ratio to a few yeses. But that's also, I think, what builds character. So I, I think it's important to receive those knows and important to receive the honest opinions when, you know, it may not make the cut, but it's also good to have those moments of, you know what? Yes, it's good enough to be here. We'll push you to our fan base. And what he did for that first compilation as well, it kind of goes back to, do I wish social media didn't have to exist? Absolutely. But am I thankful it exists so I can connect with people like yourself, so I can connect with people that I'll never meet in person? That's yes. And, you know, he made all of his followers follow all of the artists. And I know people that I still talk to every week in my Discord, in my Facebook group, via DMs, that discovered me because of that subsidiary release. So while that release did it get buried, absolutely. It gave me a chance to be exposed to people that now come to my shows, that now interact with me on my Discord, that have become part of the family. And I know I'm not the only artist that that has you know fortunately happened to. So it, it it's a I think it's a weird situation, but. It it was something too in the light of COVID that was really cool because I think if touring would have been going on and festivals would have been going on, it wouldn't have quite had the effect that it had given that we were all locked in our houses at the current time. Yeah, he very much, he very much like saw that opportunity and just went for it. And as a thing, you know, I might be someone sitting here, you know, looking back on the music that was put out on that day and I might be like, oh, you know, I wasn't a fan of the vast majority of it, but do I appreciate the idea? Do I appreciate the the sentiment? Do I appreciate the amount of people that he's bringing on board here? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So yeah, as he said, it's like, a, there, there, I think there are sides to pretty much everything that I'm like discussing, whatever yes. it is on the channel. But you know, there's always going to be a balance of either side. And yeah, absolutely. I love, absolutely love the fact that he um, found and created that space and felt like he could do that because, you know, there was backlash, you know, that there were people who, like myself, there were, there were hordes of people, you know, saying, I'm not sure this actually does any good, blah, blah, blah. And he, he was risking that. Like he knew that could happen. Um, but he still went ahead with it because, you know, ultimately he is that guy um, doing what he's doing. You know, the godfather at the moment of, of bass oh, yeah. music or 
dubstep in particular. So like, you know, he also knew that he'd have that battalion of people behind him very much supporting what he's doing. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think it's just, it is a, it is an awesome thing in itself, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, I know you do the separated when I look at the playlists on your YouTube channel, you have, you know, the EP reviews, the albums, the live track reviews, opinion pieces. When you sit down, let's say, uh, to listen through an album, I know you've spoken on it before via via Twitter, social media outlets, that you really can't just listen to something once. I want you to walk me through your process, if you don't mind, um, that you kind of embark on when you are going to do an album review or an EP review. Is, is there just different outlets to the live review and the opinion pieces or are you listening to something 10 to 20 times if it's do you mean if i'm like if it's a fully like thought out fully thought out review yes yeah that that's like those reviews are like at least there's somewhere between seven and 12 listens i'd say for for the given project it depends how much I can stomach it. Basically, is uh, mm-hmm. is the thing. So if I if I'm enjoying it, then I I want to extricate every little detail and kind of little bit that I can. If I'm about five or six listens deep, and I'm like I'm I, I've kind of reached my 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 point where I can't find anything else to say, then it stops there. But yeah, for the most part. I try to give it at least like seven or eight listens or so, just so that I can really cover all the bases and say exactly what I want to say, which is not possible when I've heard something for the first time. Um, I mean, you might have seen, but I talked about this yesterday on Twitter. Like that is why for me, the whole reaction thing, the whole live review thing is so fundamentally flawed is that to me, it's never felt like a review. Do you know what I mean? Like I call it a live review, but that's genuinely only because I find it a bit weird using the word reaction. Like I've never quite sat with the word reaction when it comes to music. Like this is music that, well, it's art that people have spent so long on. It deserves a really thought out, extensive take on it. Do you know what I mean? Me just sitting here with my speaker on playing the music out loud and going, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to try my best to review it. And that's what I do. I try to make those live reviews as much, well, far more about what I'm saying than the reaction Um, so that that can shine through. But yeah, for me, um, because obviously I started off not doing live reviews or reactions or anything like it. And it was only when I became aware of the fact that, you know, this was quite a common thing for a music reviewing channel to do, um, doing that live review kind of format that I started doing it. And people were just getting at me in the comments like, oh, why won't you just play the music, man? Just play the music so we know what you what like what you're talking about. My background, my introduction into this is watching Fantano just talk about something for 10 minutes straight. So I'm like, why can't I do that? Why can't I do that for for dubstep or drum and bass or trap? Like, why, why is it that I can't do that? Is it because it's such a niche thing? that you know people are getting used to bass music being talked about in that way um or is it just uh it's not really welcomed for the scene overall so i'm in a constant kind of 
grappling in my mind as to whether people actually want to hear bass music being talked about like that. Because ultimately, the stuff that gets watched is the reactionary stuff. The stuff that doesn't get watched as much is the stuff where I'm really strutting my stuff, loving what I've written, writing out a full thing, presenting it to the camera, all of that. But, you know, that that's kind of, that is the, that's the juggling situation that I constantly have, basically. And people will notice if they're following what I'm doing, but, you know, I've cut down quite a fair bit on the, you know, full out written stuff. It's because when you put that much energy into writing something, into filming it, it really isn't an easy thing like saying something scripted to camera. Mm-hmm. The amount of energy expended into that whole process for only like a thousand or a thousand and a half to two thousand people to watch it compared to a live review or a first listen where three or four thousand people will watch it, then then you'll know where I'm at. You'll know where I'm coming from. It's so much, it's it's kind of like uh, the phrase like working smart, not hard. It's like you have to try all of these different things, but it's like at the end of the day too, you have to do what makes you happy where it's like if you really enjoy going into that because from my point of view, which I think is different than the average consumer because it's like when I listen to a song, I'm listening as a producer. So I'm picking out these little things that no one would ever give a fuck about if they really listen to it on the radio or, or my friend listened to it here on my monitors, you know, as an artist, I would want to hear you go all in on something that, you know, a friend wrote or something that I admire or something that I wrote. Whereas maybe the general consumer, whenever I talk to people via consultation about branding or about marketing, it's like, you have to write something like you were telling it to a five-year-old who had a 30-second attention span. (laughs) Because we yeah. live in a world where this is going off 24-7 and my eyes go here and that goes there and they just lose it. It's like if you don't have them in 30 seconds, it's done. And so it, it's, you know, and that and that feeds into my overall perspective on why, you know, just the general headbang music, the 150, the the eight bar buildup, the 32 bar drop, the four, four time signature, you know, F minor over and over and over again. Like that is what get kids to mosh. That is what get kids to break the rail. That's what get kids so rowdy that makes for good content. That's like, wow, that was crazy. And then that in my head is, is, goes back to the consensus of why everyone sticks to the structure to play at festivals. So it's all of this like simplicity on what people decide to, you know, invest their time in. And to us, it's a career and it's something that we care deeply about where when I get on stage, I know out of the 100% of the crowd, maybe 30% will go away remembering my name, knowing to look at my music, knowing to check me out on social media. The other 70% may be too messed up out of their mind. Maybe they're not interested. Maybe they're here to see someone else. And, and it's like finding that medium ground of how you can come across the most direct, clear way to grab someone's attention. And, and it's hard. It's rough. And, and I know that most of the people in the crowd, too, like, were their escape. When I go on YouTube and I watch videos, I'm either doing it to learn or I'm doing it to get my mind off of something and watch something that I enjoy, but maybe I'm not fully invested in. And it's a form of escape to me. Like 
were what people spend their hard-earned money on from their nine to five, from whatever, to go out, have fun with their friends, and that's it. And I feel like you get a lot of that same crowd to be like, okay, like I'm down to listen to this guy review the album because I love this artist. And and you you have this spot where you can just lose people. And I and I go back and forth in that kind of concept in my mind all the time. Yeah. Um and I absolutely love that comparison with what you're doing because literally hearing you talk about, you know, trying to find that medium and that balance is like, that's just exactly what I'm going through. Every mm-hmm. video I make, it's like, I know what, I know what I outright want to do, but at the same time I have to factor in and I have to think about the people who are watching, the people who have got me in this position, the people who are subscribing to my channel and really pushing forward and championing what I do. So I completely and will always respect, you know, finding that balance because, you know, it's, I think it's want of people to, especially who aren't quite as involved in what you're doing. They're not in the scene. They might be a family friend or, or family or friend, sorry. Um, and they might say, oh, well, just, you know, you're doing what you want to do. Just, just keep doing that. Just keep doing it. It's not as simple as that, you know. If you want to actually get your voice out there, if you want to be heard, then you have to, you have to again, yeah, find that middle ground between doing what you want to do and, um, and yeah, just, I suppose, satisfying people's, I suppose, more basic needs in a way. Do you know what I mean? If they're, if they, as you say, just want a bit of escape, if, you know, people are going on onto YouTube, absolutely. And ultimately just to relax and chill out and watch something that they want to enjoy having worked for a whole day. So that's on my mind as well. You know, I want to make something that whilst I want to say what I want to say and do what I want to do, I want this person to kick back and enjoy what I'm doing on the platform. So, um, I mean, this might be a bit of a, a bit of a kind of reveal right now, what I'm about to say, but like, I'm going to be changing what I'm doing quite drastically going forward. Oh shit. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's about finding, it is like what I've found, I'm not going to say it quite yet, but what I have found is that right way of doing what I want to do whilst making it super, I suppose, surface level enjoyable. Wow. That's exciting. Yeah. I mean, I've, I, I'm, I'm very excited about it and, um, I hope I I just find all the right elements for it so that it can work. Um, but yeah, I've I've had a long time of not feeling like myself. I have to be honest, uh, mm-hmm. doing what I'm doing. So I have to recapture that whilst again remembering what um, what the people want to see and what you know will make them happy and relaxed and feel like they're consuming something very enjoyable. So absolutely. Yeah. I'm very excited to see what you have in store. I'm sure all of your followers will, you know, be very, be very supportive of it. And I think a lot of that just comes with like time on a whole and figuring out strong points, what people aren't really interested in, what you're not interested in and building on that. And I, and I think you kind of, I can really resonate with the whole feeling lost. Um, I think a lot of artists can, especially going through COVID, but I, I think just any creative career, you have this huge 
facet of vulnerability that can not only kind of get the best of you, but it's very much so this lifestyle that, you know, the life that we live as artists, the life that you live as a content creator, compared to the average person's daily life, it is not realistic. It it is not normal. We don't lead a normal life. So a lot of people can get lost in the day-to-days of being a touring artist, of being a content creator. And, And it's very hard to find that grounding sometimes because I feel like I see it over and over again. And I'm so thankful I kind of have this division in my life where I have people who I can confide in that are so far from the electronic realm that I'm I'm very glad and I almost sometimes value their opinions more than people who exist in this in this, you know, career, but it it's just finding you know, it, it's just I I see artists just get lost and then they get lost and they and they do what everyone else thinks they should do. And then they lose themselves and they lose what they want to do and but it takes a That's long it, yeah. time to figure out that middle ground. You can't say it doesn't. No one just hops in this and says, oh, I know what I'm going to do that's going to sell me the right way, that's going to get my followers up, that's going to have people actively engaging with me, and I'm going to make a shit ton of money in my first year. Like, it just doesn't happen that way. And it's a really hard pill to swallow. And I and I think no matter what side of the bend you're on, whether it's, you know, building the YouTube channel, building your Spotify monthly listeners, building the podcast, it's um it's kind of a it's it's a journey you have to embark on and you just have to be ready for everything and and a lot of people from the consumer standpoint don't realize the highs and the lows of a lot of it and that's the reason why I think your channel is super cool why I think the podcast is super cool that that's kind of become podcasting on a whole over covid has really come to this like surface level where you can get an insight of how amazing and how rough it is sometimes to have this career path as a way to financially live a stable, comfortable life because it's hard, you know, it's so hard. And I know like, um, I'm sure you're friends with, you know, artists over in the UK and, and, you know, I've talked to like bad cloud a lot and, and, you know, with people getting their visas to come back overseas, Funk Case and Dr. P didn't even make it to their first few festivals. It's terrifying, you know? And and I think financial stress is the worst stress that you can possibly have sometimes. And with this, with like with COVID in general, it's just put this like burden on so many people's shoulders and 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 speaking to people like Virtual Riot and and even like some fucking crazy TikTok people who I've had on, like it it is fucked with their creative mindset on how they can clearly think because there's so much stress on what's going to happen in a year. Am I going to be able to stay here? Do I have to go back overseas? Am I going to be able to pay for things? It's just a very sticky situation that can tumble very quickly. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's been a very interesting year. And, you know, in my mind, two months ago, I was like, okay, we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And now I'm like, Mm. can everyone stop being a fucking idiot and just like do the right thing? Because we just can't go backwards again. And, and I think that just feeds into 
everyone's development of their own project because we're not living in this in this kind of traditional structure where we have our to-do list and we cross off the things and and we get it done it's it comes a lot from where our mental stability and mindset and where the people around us are sitting in order for us to create quality things that people are going to choose to look at and and i think that it's like i see artists complain all the time i only got a thousand listens i only you know x y and z i only have two thousand followers and i'm like dude a thousand people went out of their way to listen to your song like that's huge that's huge like and and a thousand people to listen to a genre that's not even really relevant in the mainstream of music and so you just always have to look at the glass half full rather than half empty in these kind of I think life environment situations or you're not going to make it through because I've just seen it eat people up and it's so sad especially when they have something wonderful to offer yeah completely we I mean we're so we are so madly exposed to you know people um who we just assume have gone from nothing to everything so quickly and you know these are people who have millions of followers or whatever whether it be youtube or tiktok or whatever and um that's the kind of that's the standard that we hold for ourselves whereas ultimately these people have you know tiktok's a bit different because tiktok is like viral success quite quickly that's like yeah. it's a phenomenon of a nap right but for the most part you're you're working years on end to get to that point whether you're a singer or you're an artist you know whatever kind of medium or whatever even in more normal jobs as well like anything corporate as well but it's a thing of working your way up and so the fact that we're so readily exposed to all of it just means that that is already as soon as you see it it's in your head as a possibility mm-hmm. of something that you could have yes so we the the worst thing that people always say the worst thing you can do is compare yourself to people and that is absolutely i will always stick by that because you're there's always going to be someone who is better off than you in some way you're going to be better off than them in some ways that you won't realize and so it's just a thing of yeah becoming aware of the fact that this is not always going to be, or it never really has to be a benchmark that you have to align yourself with and kind of compare yourself to. You've got your own journey. You want to do it your way. And, um, you know, that, that, that's always what it should be about and not, you know, thinking too much about, um, yeah, just the, the, the absolute pinnacle. If you're, if you're nowhere near that in terms of how much you've put in, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it, it just, it, it sucks that we are exposed to that much, like that much kind of coverage, I suppose, and, and following when, um, you know, for the most part, when we're starting out, we're, we're just never going to get, get anywhere near that. It's all about, um, ma- making the way there and stuff like that. So, um, but it, um, it interests me with, so hearing you kind of talk about artists going through what they've gone through and stuff like that in the last year or so like how for you personally like your own experience how how I suppose how did you find it or have you had I mean there might be stuff that you don't want to talk about obviously but you know you know it's very it's very interesting kind of just touching on what you just said and, and relating that into how my last year has gone um I'm in the position where uh, alongside a lot of my, you know, 
other colleagues who who are producers that I like really have confided in. I've learned from them. You know, they've learned from me X, Y, and Z. Um, you know, a lot of us were reaching this point where we were breaking out regionally from from our state, from you know our market right before the pandemic hit. So, you know, me personally, I had I had dates with Black Tiger Sex Machine. I had dates already set up with Riot Ten, and you know, you just watch it all go away. And I just remember I played a show at, it was just as I was starting to play out of state and, and you just start seeing the emails come in and you start seeing people say things. I remember when it was December, 2019, I was sitting on the couch with my boyfriend. We're both Reddit heads. So we go through Reddit, we do all of that stuff. And, and he said, you know, look at this video, like this is fucking crazy. And it was, uh, you know, it was just a pedestrian in Hong Kong just passing out and then and then people in full suits like we see some people now with the face shields and all of that stuff coming out grabbing the guy taking him into the hospital he was in the waiting room and i just remember my boyfriend saying what if that comes here like what if that becomes a thing and i was like oh no like da 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 and then you just start seeing in january you start seeing more articles about it in february you start seeing a little bit more about it and i remember march 15th got a call from my agents, got a call from management, said, okay, you need to to start preparing because this is this is gonna be rough. And and I just can't imagine it taught me so many life lessons that I could never, and I think a lot of artists say the same thing, at least people who do this full time, is that you could never look back at the last year and say, wow, that was great. Cause it wasn't. It was fucking terrible. It took away so many people's livelihoods. It closed down so many amazing venues. So many companies went bankrupt in every industry, not just entertainment. It just happens that we work in one of the only industries in the United States that have a shit union and most of our people do not vote. So no one gives a fuck about us. And and so where you saw these people getting help uh, via airlines, via you know the big corporations, Amazon, Walmart, all of those guys, we were kind of left in this dark area of you're around the most people. So you're the first ones to be affected and you're going to be the last ones relieved to go back to your job. So a lot of us, one, I think a lot of people who are, are real artists. I, I, and when I say real artists, I think that this facet of music, electronic dance music is one of the, only genres in which you can really fake it until you make it. Because if you're in a band, you know, you're playing an instrument. If you're a singer, you're doing that stuff. Yes, you have huge, you have huge teams behind you, you know, but you're almost a triple threat. You're doing the choreography, you're doing probably acting, you're singing as well. And, and here, what I see more than most is that people fall in love with this lifestyle from afar. And then they really just fall in love with this desire to live the life that they see on social media. And if you know the right people and you can really just finesse with the amount of the word, the right amount of time, I've seen it happen. And it's really sucks. And it's unfortunate because I know so many producers who are so incredibly talented, who have less than a thousand SoundCloud followers, you know, less than whatever followers, no team X, Y, and Z. And I'm playing all of their music in my sets while I see people who are, you know, 
ghost produced for, and they're on these touring circuits and they're on every major festival. And you're like, what is going on? Is the simulation broken? But that's just how our industry's wheels turn. But if you're a real artist and you, and you make your own music and, and you do this full time, I think a lot of people put themselves in a box where they don't realize how much you can actually do with the knowledge you have as a music producer. So like for me, I did Foley Sound for, for independent films forever. I went back to doing that. I went back to doing mixing and mastering for bands who decided to write albums over quarantine. You know, I knew people who started doing, you know, jingles and they went on Fiverr and they picked up just jobs to do all of this other stuff. So they found these other ways to, you know, source income in. And like me, myself personally, as well as a lot of my favorite artists, we all started Patreons. And so now we have this Patreon where if touring stops again, I can pay my bills based on my income from my Patreon. And I think the people that I talked to that really said, okay, I need to troubleshoot this this life ordeal that's happened that I have no control over. And I need to make sure that I never put myself in that position again. So I mm-hmm. think, I think those lessons that I've learned during quarantine were some of the hardest, best decisions, endeavors, journeys that I've embarked on since deciding to do this for a living and working towards this as a living. And, you know, uh, teaching, doing the tutorials, all of it feeds into me being a producer. It's just that like, hey, you can do all of this other stuff too and not have to stress about when you're going to get your next booking or when you're going to be picked up on a tour because I think there's a certain value as well is sometimes you see artists, you know, you can really devalue yourself in certain markets if you're playing there over and over and over and over again or you're touring all year round. And it's like, the goal for me personally, you know, I just turned 24. So, so by my late 20s, ideally, I would like to be able to spend six to seven months in the studio writing, doing jobs, doing whatever, doing stuff, ideally only for Lizzie Jane, and then another four months touring out of the year, not touring year round, not doing all that stuff. Because at the end of the day, this is my safe space. This is where I like to be. I'm quite the homebody, but I love traveling to do what I do for a living. But I think it was it was just a huge kind of life perspective where I fortunately didn't lose anyone. I knew a lot of people who lost people during COVID, whether it was because they had, you know, immune deficiencies, you know, it, uh, pre-existing conditions. And, and it was really sad. And, you know, that put it into perspective too of like, hey, like you just don't know what's going to happen. You literally can't, we could wake up tomorrow and like some crazy shit could happen. And I'm not like a conspiracy theorist, but like I'm also in the, yeah. you know, but I'm also in the position where you just don't know anymore. And you can't, I don't think you can put all of your eggs in one basket in this industry. And I think if you do that and you're an artist who's predominantly relying on touring, like after this ordeal, you're just being unintelligent. Like you just have to do, you just have to prepare for something else. And that's where I really just like hoped and wished and like thought a lot of people would kind of like rise underneath because I felt like there was this brief reset on our industry where you really saw quite a few artists disappear. 
wipe right off the face of the table, no music being released, no content. And at that point, I'm just like, well, you're just an influencer now. You're just a social media influencer posting selfies and posting, you know, whatever you're doing. And to each their own, I totally get it. Some people were not in the mental capacity to write, just like I said earlier, which is completely okay. But you're in a different position as an up and coming artist where we live in this, in this society where I really wish songs could breathe, but they can't. And, and, and I think you fight for that. And I think the more that artists can kind of put their foot down and be like, Hey, I just spent two, four, six months on the CP. I'm going to chill for a while. This is what you get. Enjoy it. Listen to it over and over again. I think maybe a few levels up from where I'm at now, that'll be okay. But when you're an up and comer, you have to just be so on top of your game if you want to be noticed because there's so many of us right now and and there's so much like bullshit that you have to fight through. And it was in my position where, you know, I'm always learning. I'm never going to stop taking lessons. I give lessons every week. I take lessons every week. It's just a part of like, being like having your chops up to cue, learning about new techniques, learning about X, Y, and Z and applying them to the music you're writing. But I was like, okay, you need to find another way to stay relevant in the audio industry and not have to output music that you're not happy with. Because I think, I think my, my point of view was that, you know, if I just want to write a banger like that you hear on any subsidiary track or you hear most people releasing yeah, could I do that in three days? Absolutely. But the direction in which I want my project to go, I've taken the long-term path. So there's no reason why I'm going to rush now on releasing music when it's out in the world forever. And I just wish people like thought about that more, but like their project isn't my business. They can do what they want with it. But I'm just at the point where like, if I'm not happy with it, I don't want to release like I I look at songs and I look at them as tracks and then I look at them as records. Some people just release tracks that are, you know, you don't have vocals. It's just build up pre-drop. You got a, you got a banger in the club, banger festival, X, Y, and Z. And then you have, whether you're working with a vocalist, whether you're singing yourself, you have records and cohesive pieces of art that whether they're released on a label or independently released, those are always going to do better stream wise and, and making for music videos, making for all of the stuff that's lasting content. And that's what I'm interested in. So I'm not going to put out something unless it's like a one-off remix for somebody who I was asked to remix for. I like, that's awesome. Cool. Do a two month turnaround, whatever. Um, you know, I'm just at the point where I I don't want to do that. So that's why I have XO radio. That's why I have XO podcast is because I can still talk to people like yourself. I can talk to other artists and still be quote unquote relevant in the electronic dance music scene without becoming stagnant. And and I think it just takes a lot of will people or will power to find that sweet spot where you can do that. And I think a lot of artists just feel pressured to release music at least once a month. And it's like, at what point do you say these people are listening to this track once and they're never coming back to it? And, and that's like something that I really see right now amongst a lot of people slightly above my level, slightly below my level at the same level as me. And, and it's, it's, 
it's very concerning and it's very disheartening to get lost in the mix of it when there's people that, you know, to each their own, you know, I, I, everyone, I know what it takes to make a track. It's a fucking hell of a show and it's a long journey to get something you're happy with. But I, I just wish sometimes people strive to do something that wasn't like everybody else. And that's what makes me concerned about the long term of the industry. Whereas there's being music output. I know that was just like a huge ramble, but that's like all Not of my all. thoughts. Kind yeah, of, yeah, I, I kind loved of it. Oh, it was big, yeah. a big stream, stream like stream. of, of thoughts. I loved it. It all relates to each other, you know? It, yeah, it all really exactly. does. The umbrella of it all sits there. And I think there's a lot of people who are in my position who feel exactly the same way as me, but there's no way for them really to say it. And there's so many people on social media nowadays where, you know, sometimes I want to fucking lash out. I want to go out at someone and it's just not worth it. It's not worth it to associate a, a ramble about an ungenuine artist or, or, you know, somebody not being deserving because that's not my place to decide. It's just my opinion. And, and I think that's where some people make mistakes sometimes because they feel so trapped that they have to go out on social media and they have to lash out and they have to say their thoughts. And it, unfortunately, when you're an up and coming artist, most of the time comes down on you more negatively than positively on the back end of it. And it just sucks, you know? For sure. Although I think there are people who, not to say that I stand for it, but there are people yeah. who have gotten their name out there by being vocal, I by agree. saying what they think, what they think, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of them, like Mr. Odd Prophet, the legend, oh, Toby himself. Yeah. But you know, he he's already on Never Say Die. Do you know what I mean? Like he's already yeah. he, he's he's there. Like he he's doing yes. his thing. But he has his thoughts. We all know that my guy has his thoughts. Like, yes. but yeah. there are there are people who are. It's like I'm thinking about damn. Like how how do I know that producer? Like oh, I've just seen this producer on this compilation. Like how how uh, where do I know their their name from again? Oh, it's because I heard their. I've seen their rambles on Twitter just going off on specific things like, okay, so that is quite clever. Not again, not to say that I stand for it, Mm -hmm. but it happens. Like it's a thing. People do it. People Um, do it. Oh yeah. People do it. But like on the, like on the subject of, um, on the subject of people who are, you know, maybe, uh, yeah, up and coming, um, you know, I, I would always say that if you're feeling like you, really want to release a track genuinely like every month or every couple of months i think the thing for me obviously i'm a bit of an exception like i'm a reviewer but there are way more people than you think that are like me and that take you know they take notice of everything they they really pay attention to what's going on and how much effort's being put into the music they might not like it on a kind of surface level thing but they they really notice when a lot of time has been put into something. For me, I've got probably, there's maybe around, I don't know, 4,000 artists that I've kind of got circulating in my head at once. Mm-hmm. So if if one time, like one little um, chemical reaction happens in my brain and I'm like, oh, that producer hasn't put out something for a while. I wonder what they're up to. I kind of know that we're going to get something, even if I might not like it, I know that it's going to be something that they have spent time 
you know, putting the work in, putting the graft in, all that kind of thing. I'm gonna, by virtue of that, for me anyway, this is just me, but I am gonna respect that quite a bit more. And I understand the whole thing of wanting to put out music constantly and you have to, you know, keep people aware of what you're doing and your name and your brand and all of that. But that kind of, the the, the, the artistry is like, it, it, you, you just forego the artistry by doing that because mm-hmm. you're, you're working to deadlines, you're working to other people's de- desires of what they want you to do as opposed to you really letting the artistry flourish and like, you know, bloom and whatever. So. For me, when I hear another name again out of nowhere, I'm like, oh, okay. So they are actually working on something. They're not just like gone forever. And instantly I'm like, even if I don't like it, I'm going to listen to this thing at least 10 times because I know that the time and the effort has been put into it. And I'm going to spend, I'm going to expend as much energy as I can trying to get it if I don't get it the first few times around. So trust me. This goes out to anyone who's up and coming and watching this, like yourself or like anyone literally who might be watching this podcast. Like there are people, there are people out there who notice the time and the effort and the energy put into the music. I promise it. And I I just, it's something that I have to say as someone, I suppose, doing what I'm doing, but also just making the people who graft endlessly and who work tirelessly trying to, make their music sound how they want to make it, but also make it sound good for a general populace, you know? There are people out there who are very much paying attention to the craft, the energy, the time spent. Like I I can I can promise that. See that that does make me feel a lot better because sometimes I just I you know I'm in this circle where where I was never like a huge uh, like raver or like for goer, like I've always enjoyed. Like I went to like metal shows, post hardcore shows growing up. Went to a few raves, and I was like, okay, like I really enjoy making it, and I love the environment, but I don't like live for the candy, and I don't live for like certain things. And but like it, it, it makes me really happy because sometimes I think as an artist, you feel like those people don't exist, and you're like. I'm taking all this time to craft something and do something. And especially when you're a bit newer, you know, it's not like Porter saying, all right, guys, I'm taking a 10-year hiatus, five-year hiatus. I'm going to write this album. And it's going to be just the most amped up thing and 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 all of this gusto behind it and all of this hype behind it. You know, as as an up-and-coming artist, it's like, okay, I hope the the time invested will be worth it. But I just think the fact of it being out in the world forever making something that is true to you will be way more timeless than just putting out another banger. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I, mean, I, I will give all the opinions that I will give or can give, but ultimately I'll never, I will never stop saying make what you want to make. Um, you know, there are people lucky enough to be on a massive label and uh, they, you know, they can still do what they want to do. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, for the most part, a lot of producers feel like they have to make stuff, A, for a specific time, and A, a B, sorry, in a specific style or in a mm-hmm. specific way. I'm saying, you know, please just just do what you want. Otherwise, you're not you're not fulfilling yourself. You're not getting that 
you know, enrichment from the process, which is why you started doing it in the first place. So don't forget, you know, you always want to be further down the line and more followers, more listeners, more money, more shows, all of this kind of stuff. Don't forego that passion that you had, that eagerness, that desire for making what you want to make when you started out. So exactly oh definitely and i and i have another question too like um it's really awesome some of the liberties that a lot of labels give like their kind of exclusive artists like example odd profit with never say die to just kind of i know he's been teasing a new album or new ep and how different it's going to be i've I've seen that a lot on and i think that's awesome because i'm sure it will be with never say die however in your general consensus what is your opinion on label versus independent in retrospect to bass music? Um, I, I will I will ask you back straight away <laughs> if you could maybe just add like one extra layer to the question just so that so I know exactly what you mean. I think the goal long-term obviously is to be able to independently release and not have to give a cut to a label and to X, Y, and Z. But as far as, you know, you see artists exclusively signed with Disciple, you see artists exclusively signed with, with other labels. Do you think, do you think for the, the long-term picture that that is an advantage point in our, in our, subgenre or genre of bass music and EDM or do you think long term if you want to independently release and keep growing and keep growing and hop on a label here and there that would potentially lead to more of a wide demographic of followers instead of just one label and they're just one following ultimately I think it depends on your outset um and what you want to do from the off. So if you are, this is actually something that I talk about quite a lot with um, people whose music I feed back on um, uh, through Patreon. Uh, if you want to sign up, then uh, please do uh, just a little plug there. No, but, um, no, exactly. What, what are those? The link below. But no, what, what I say to them is like that the first thing, the first session that I have with each of these people is like, what do you want to do with your music? Where do you want to go with it? Do you want to put it on labels? Do you want to be independent? What is your vision? And hearing them talk about it is such a, it's such a, like a refreshing thing, just being like, oh, you know, I, you know, I think I'm prizing like having shows over uh, having, you know, music that I really want to, you know, is like branching out that much kind of thing or people who are more like, oh, you know, I, we, I really want my artistry to shine through and all that kind of thing. So for me, Ultimately, you have to be realistic. A label is a label. It has a specific kind of thing that it has been uh, brought up on. It has a culture behind it. It has a specific style, a certain energy. And if you want, you know, maximum exposure for music that is adhering to that, then I would say try and seek that out. Once you've made music, send it out. If your thing that you're going for isn't quite going to fit on any said label and for you, artistry is the main thing and you want to feel that complete liberty and freedom with what you're doing, 
then yeah, go down your own route. But it is going to have to be exceptional music. This is what I'm saying. So if you want to go down that route of completely self-releasing, this is different, by the way, from like releasing on a label here and there. I think that is quite a good midway point, personally. Mm -hmm. But if you want to completely go down the route of self-releasing, then it does have to be pretty pretty forward-thinking music because ultimately if you're on a label that's exposure that's you know other social media accounts sharing your stuff you know that and also it's then putting it on spotify playlists it's them putting your name out there to festivals and all all this kind of stuff they are amping you up like that is their job once you've given them your music they are giving you that platform there are people who i know and you know are very aware of and uh, who are legends to me. And I know them because when I was first listening to the music, I was listening to the label first and foremost and whatever came through them. So, you know, now I'm someone who just actively digs deep and finds everything. Yeah. But there are, lo- there are always going to be tranches and tranches of people coming in who are just going to be looking at the labels and what they're putting out. If you are self-releasing, it has to be something quite out there and quite different. Otherwise, as we've kind of been discussing here, it's just going to get buried. It's going to get lost in the sea of everything. Um, quite a good midway point, as I uh, kind of touched on briefly, is um, self-releasing where you can, releasing on labels where you can. So... I'm always going to say there is absolutely no right way to do it. There is no absolutely. right way to do it. But for me, it's always going to be a thing of, you know, um, remembering what you wanted to do from the off and trying to stay true to that as much as possible. Otherwise, you run the risk of losing what you enjoy about it most. Um, and essentially going from there. And if you maybe a couple of years down the line, get to a point where, oh yeah, you know, I think I want to actually put my stuff on a label and maybe sacrifice what I want to do just a little bit, then cool, go down that route. If you're not about that, it is going to be a bit more difficult, but you can do it. You know, if you have an idea, if you have a style, a particular sound, then absolutely it can be done. But it is, it is of course, more difficult because you don't have that, that extra support, that extra backing of people who are putting out your music, also shouting you out again on social media, on uh, putting you on Spotify playlists, all this stuff. So yeah, it essentially has to be a good mix of what you want to do and um, what you, you know, what you're willing to, willing to sacrifice essentially, I suppose. Absolutely. It's like the sacrifice almost for the exposure. It's, it's like, I look at it kind of, sometimes you find that home. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, you, you give your music to a label and they're like, we, we want you and we want exclusively you. That is definitely the, the smaller percentage uh, than normal. Usually they'll do a one-off. They'll do you with a compilation. They'll maybe do an EP. But I think it's very much so, one, what you're willing to sacrifice. And two, early on, it serves as this almost umbrella that's willing to pick you up and put you to the other side. And, and, and I think that there's a lot of beneficial points to that. And I think there's also the right moment where you say, okay, I've, I've done this. I've released 
here, 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 and here. I have a base. I have a following. I have a listening. Now I'm going to do me. Now I'm going to do exactly what I want to do. And it's it's making that transition elegantly enough that you don't lose that base of the label that you that you were, you know, uh, that discovered you via circus or discovered you via disciple. And, and I think that everyone should try both. I think that's what I think, you know, mostly sometimes I see people just one off, go here, do a remix. They're on the label. They sign the contract. And it's a lot. It's, it's, it's sometimes I think, you know, the speed of like the industry gets underneath you and you have to think like a lot of people, you know, if you not necessarily as a hobby, but I, I see sometimes people have different goals, just like there's no A to Z step to do this correctly in any industry, in any creative outlet. There is no step one through a hundred to get to where you need to go. And, and what I see sometimes is people, you know, they want to be on the touring circuits. They want to be X, Y, and Z. And it's like in that path, are you going to exist for 10 plus years? Are you going to be able to create generational wealth or create, you know, this very sustainable living for yourself by doing it that way? Maybe not. But if you have a three to five year, three to eight year trajectory, you could totally do it. You know, do the production, get where you need to go, play as support. But if you want to be a headliner, I feel like it's so much more of a, a long process to kind of build your house of bricks instead of straw. And and I think we see both. I think we see both all the time. But I just wanted to hear your take on it because I think everybody thinks a little bit differently. But that's the general consensus that I hear is, is that, you know, the, the end goal is to do independent. However, these labels provide you with a platform of cushion that's a lot friendlier of a deal than working with somebody like Sony or Warner or any mm-hmm. of the big time labels where you very much so are signing away a lot of your life. And Everything I, essentially, like yeah. I look at Taylor. I look at uh just to bring her into the mix. I look at Taylor Swift right now. All of her masters were underneath her past label manager, owned all the rights to her masters, and she just released fifty songs that were Taylor extended cuts that are basically the same songs, but that's so she can own the rights to those songs. And and through a release, re-release though. So like all of those listens have to be re-listened to everything that she released before she doesn't make a cent off of. And that's why I feel like it's so important. Even though you're just a dubstep producer, like you got to have somebody who knows what they're doing looking over your contracts and looking over, you know, the things that you're signing because you have no idea. And And that's where I think understanding that the importance of having a team that knows what they're doing and you have to know your strong points and you know have to, like you have to know your weak points of where you know you got to give the cap to someone else to say okay like this is this is a, a red flag this is a red flag x y and z because as many uh, uh, wonderful individuals i've met in this industry there are also quite a bunch of people who have no idea what the fuck they're doing and and when you get someone who's naive and eager a lot of times that can lead to long-term ramifications that are very unfortunate. So, yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've heard some, some, some horror stories in and out of EDM that are just quite the ordeal. And, and I, I, I just, I, I, I hope that some people, you know, whether you're, you're listening to one of your favorite artists talk or you're listening to this podcast or you're listening to whatever, 
you know, understand that, that at the end of the day, this is such an amazing industry to work in, but it is a business and there are, you know, business backends to it that can make things quite complicated. And, and, you know, a lot of artists do not think with a business mindset and that's why we're artists. That's why we're creators, but there are people to come in and and do the right job there. And, and I know even with YouTube, you get to a certain point where, you know, you're really able to monetize things correctly. And I know that becomes a slippery slope sometimes as well. Um, so what I wanted to kind of dive into, I know we've been talking for a while. Are you still okay to talk? Is that okay? I'm, okay. I'm around. Okay, I'm, perfect. I'm good to go. Perfect. No, I love it. Because uh, when I was doing the live series, this is what I was doing uh, throughout COVID. If I do the live series, it's like, you know, we're at a festival, people have stuff to do, da da da, da. But I, I love the the open-ended conversations because this is where I feel like people can really learn, take away things, all of that stuff. When you're looking for music predominantly, now that you say you've got kind of 4,000, 5,000 artists you're keeping tabs on, are you someone who you really go through everything or where is your go-to place to find the more niche up-and-coming artists that you've been covering lately on your channels? So... I, my, um, my phone screen time is bad. Okay. Oh no. It yeah. is bad. Okay. And that's before we've got onto my computer screen time. This is me, right? Every day scrolling through Twitter, looking for announcements, doing that, doing the same with Instagram. Um, Facebook used to be, you know, okay for that, but now Facebook is like just, it. it Anyway, but we, you know that, that's another conversation for another time. But essentially, yeah. <laughs> um, every day I am just going through Twitter, Instagram, looking for announcements. Um, I go on SoundCloud, like maybe four or five days out of a given week for about three hours, just finding new stuff. When it comes to Monday, and I'm doing tracks of the week, um, I so I've got basically I've got a document of labels. And I go through every single label on that Monday. On I go to every SoundCloud page and I check to see if something new's come out. Um, so then I will like it, uh, save it up, and then listen to it pretty much all in that day. Um, but yeah, I think for me the the main things are um, definitely SoundCloud and then announcements from social media, uh, Bandcamp. Um, what else is there? I love Bandcamp. Um, Bandcamp's great. Bandcamp's awesome. Yeah. It's an incredible thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, my, you know, my I, I kind of halfway through the first year of doing what I'm doing, I just kind of became aware of the fact that I can't get to the end of a given year and give, you know, my top 50 tracks of the year or my top 20 EPs of the year and not have checked out everything that I could have. So mm-hmm. now I'm like, I had this kind of epiphany, this kind of switch on moment where I was like, damn, like, okay, so there's dubstep, there's trap. I've got that kind of locked down, but there's also like house and there's drum and bass and there's complextra and there's glitch hop and there's breakcore and there's, so I'm like, wow, okay, I need to find these labels right now and I need to get digging. So that like probably midway through the first year, I was like, okay, now I'm like 
I'm in like, you know, Dragon Ball Z, like kind of that kind of mode where like all the, the zaps are coming out of the hands yeah. and all that kind of thing, like the ultimate power, like the Goku kind of. Yeah. Yeah, literally. And I was like, okay, now, now we're talking. Now I'm going to be this person who covers everything. Well, not covers everything on the channel, but listens to everything at least, considers everything and has that kind of overview um perspective and uh just take on everything that's happening in this scene and all the genres that are incorporated in that um but yeah i mean my um kind of going back to what i said right at the start of this answer like my phone time is mad my phone screen time is mad just because i can't yeah, imagine i mean the, the the twitter is pretty constantly open just looking for stuff and it's not just you know, announcements and releases and stuff, but it's also finding topics to talk about. It's not often that there is like a a thing that shines through that I'm like, you know, it's just perfect for discussing on the channel. But every now and then there'll be a thing that people are talking about and it's just like, right, I have to, I have to discuss this on the channel and get like a, a very definite community and space for people to discuss this and what they think and whatnot. Um, so it's a lot. Basically, that is, is a lot. Is, uh, is what I'm trying to say. And if you if you think about the amount of labels covering all these different genres, that every Monday I can't even. Yeah, I'm going through every single one, and I'm getting through. Well, I mean, a few days before in that given week, well, the week before, I've like I found most of the stuff. But that's for like you know finding all the little gems that people might not have heard of. That yeah, it's it's a lot, but you know. That I'm doing it because I love it. That, that that's the passion burning through. That is like I want to find those gems and I want to show them to people and I want them to be like, oh shit, like you showed me this artist and blah blah blah. Now I'm gonna see them at Lost Lands or whatever. And it's because you showed me them. And just hearing that, that that's like that's my thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that that is what I want to do. I want to show people this new stuff and I want to essentially you know, make their lives more enjoyable by having shown them the stuff that I think is really worth hearing and checking out. So, Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's how you've built a dedicated following by the, I, I, I say this all the time. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It's just, if you're, we're very fortunate to, um, not a lot of people get to live their passion as their way of income. And, and I think that's where we are in a very fortunate step but or position. However, with that, you know, I, I feel like sometimes our our work days are non-existent. We're always thinking, we're always making notes, we're always going back, we're always checking our phone, you For know. Sure. And and that's the beauty of it too, though, is that very rarely does it feel like a job. Very rarely am I like, oh shit, I gotta get on talk to somebody about what I love to do, hear their story, because it's like stuff that I would love to do, whether I was getting paid for it or not. And when that financial kind of back end comes in, you kind of see the big, the big picture of how fortunate it is to be doing what you're doing. And, and that's, that's the cool part, you know, but it is a lot of time and it's, it's a lot of sacrifice. I think sometimes of personal relationships and friendships and, 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 you know, all of that back end. But what I found is, is if you can keep your circle close as well, I found lovely people who exist in this industry who I call, you know, really good friends now. And I think that, 
that is, you know, once you filter through, I've, I've, I've met most people who, who have lifelong friends that also do this. So it's, it's, it's very cool. And, and, you know, whether YouTube reviewer, podcast host, artist, we're all very fortunate to be in this, in this position. Um, before I let you go, what I did want to ask is, you know, uh, Mr. Acclaimed Naughty Step, who are some, uh, first, wait, 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 before I, I asked you the question, how did you come up with the name? I meant to ask this in the first five minutes and, and I need to know before I let you go. That's a good question. Um, so I, um, it didn't actually take me that long, which is like, might be quite, I don't know, might be quite surprising because I, I don't know, because in, in England, I don't know if it's the case in America, you might have a similar thing, but uh, the naughty step is the thing that you are told to sit on if you've been mischievous as a child. Oh, right? no way. <laughs> so it's the, it's the bottom step of the stair, of a, like a set a flight of stairs. You have to go and sit there at the bottom. You can't say anything. Otherwise, you go to your room, right? So that's the oh. first like level okay. of mischief, right? If you've done something bad, you go right on that bloody naughty step, right? So I was like, okay, trying to think of a name. And I was like, well, the the dubs that the sorry, the the genre of music that kind of got me into liking electronic music overall was dubstep. So then from there, I'm just trying to think of like a, a something like a phrase or something to do with like step or something. And I was like, oh, okay, naughty step. How could I maybe make that work well in the UK? If you're listening to bass music, if you if you hear something that is like mad, you go, that is proper naughty, that. That is naughty. So that was like naughty step. Yeah, I, I can make that work. So now I'm like, okay, the music that I listen to and love, if I love it, it's fucking naughty, right? So I'm like, okay, naughty step. It's naughty. The bass is naughty. So yeah, I'm just going to put two and two together, but I'm not going to have it spelled like you would usually spell it, I'm just going to put a W in there because, you know, that just makes it like extra naughty. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that uh, That's honestly that is, perfect. Like the W, the W is so perfect for like how British people pronounce naughty when they're like loving a song. They're like, yeah. oh, mate, that song is fucking naughty. Like, yeah, have you seen yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Have you seen the clip of the... um? The clip of the 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 British school children in the, the it's like it's, it's a load of boys in the toilet and they're listening to drum and bass and they're all just going off. Oh like yeah, I think UKF actually posted that at one yeah, point yeah, on yeah. their reels or whatever. But yes, I, that honestly works pretty fucking well for what you do. That's 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 hats that, off that, to you. It usually doesn't work. Those that kids, well. right? That, those kids. That is me when I was 15, 16 years old hearing fucking scary monsters and nice sprites for the oh, first time. It's like mind blows. Like, oi, mate, like, oi, check this out. Like, you're not going to believe what I've just fucking heard. Like, no. Like, I, had, I had more of a, I had a bit more of a, uh, not Cockney, that's a bit far, but I had a bit more of a classic London kind of accent when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So I'd just be thinking, oh, mate, you're never going to believe what I've just heard. It's unbelievable. You know, all, <laughs> being in the fucking cubicle with your, with your toilet, whatever, with your mates, a restaurant, whatever you want to call it. It's like going mad. It's like hearing the tunes. <laughs> it's just, it's just That's like, great. It's, oh. it's, it's classic, like, British electronic music discovery kind of thing. Like, a lot classic. of my... Um, a lot of my friends have uh, grown out of enjoying dubstep and electronic music, but it um, 
it stuck with me and uh, very much here to stay. Oh yeah, um, definitely. So would that's definitely why I'm here right them. now talking to you. Like you know, yeah, I love it. That's awesome. I, I had to know on the back end, um, but I had never heard the the concept or the terminology before. So I'm glad I could hear it. I'm glad the listeners could hear it because now now, now I know. Now I get it. Now I have a new like term to explain music when it's like phenomenal. That's that's the new term. We'll just be like proper, super, yeah, proper, proper naughty, like proper <laughs> naughty. No, that's wonderful. Um, before could I let you, you go, could, could you yeah. do it in an American, in an English accent? Could it you would be, do like it'd be, it's it's hard because when I listen to when I listen to accents from from overseas, British, whatever, I I want to like cater my my voice to that accent. So I feel like as as we have the conversation, I'm like, don't try and start talking in a British accent. Don't do it. So it'd be naughty step, naughty step, right? So I'd be like, that's super naughty. Naughty Naughty step. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there we go. I feel like I feel like I sound more country than I ever have in my whole life. Naughty step. Just just make sure you say proper, like not super, just say proper, like proper naughty, like just... Proper. Even if it's an... Proper, it has to be proper, like proper with an A at the end or an, an A and an H, it's like proper naughty. But when know, I see uh, Odd Prophet when he comes to Florida on, on oh the road trampa, yeah. I'm just gonna go 100%. up to him and be like, That was proper naughty set. That's that's gonna be it. <laughs> that was naughty. And Toby's gonna be like, <laughs> He's gonna be Toby like, and Ricky are gonna be like, Whoa, okay, whoa, yeah. like, where's this, where's this where's, come from? Like, yeah. okay, like, yeah. geez. Okay. Oh my gosh! I'll be like Connor told me to tell you that, yeah, and then yeah, that'll yeah. be it, and they'll they'll love it. But I need totally to know some artists that we should be listening to. The general consensus of of not only producers themselves, but also listeners, people who are the next wave. What genre? Um, give, give me if you give me some like if you give me a couple genres, I could give a most, few within. Most of my listeners are are traditional dubstep, i.e., bro step kind of a kind of more rhythmy. And then for my personal endeavors, I would love melodic, melodic future rhythm. Those guys. So you got two two subgenres. Okay, so the hard hitting dubstep kind of stuff um, for me, dyatic. Oh, dyatic. I just had him on my radio show. Did you? Oh, oh shit, already, yeah. I should have. I already I know. I already, yeah, okay, no, he, so he's amazing. Oh, yeah. Dyatic for me is like, I mean, he he's just like on that brink of being a label level. Like, I mean, yeah. he's he, he's there basically, but I'm talking about, you know, like the really the big guy, disciple, like, you know, that kind of level. But he, my guy's like basically there. So, yeah. He, for me, is like the absolute, you know, top, if we're talking about heavy, like, rhythm-y kind of dubstep. Um, gosh, who else? Um, heavy kind of stuff. I'll come back to the heavy maybe in a sec, okay. but um, for the more... More color-based, kind of color based kind of stuff, yes. I am always going to recommend uh, Rushdown overall, for oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. Label. Harvey's label, by far. Um, it's incredible. I love what Harvey's done with it, what he is currently doing with it. Um, Sixth Sense, I heard an EP from Sixth Sense that came out on Rushdown. Um, S-X-T-H gap S-N-S. Um, that recently came out on Rushdown. I was pretty mind blown by that. Incredibly um, forward thinking. 
Yeah. Um, Exo Bolt is another label that I'm going to shout out. Um, to, to be honest, I think I'm better at shouting out labels. labels. Than, yeah. Tell um, some because, labels so we can find new artists on the labels. And I'll I think, yeah, I, I, I think it's with the labels that you find the artists. It's like from there you can explore and maybe, because if you go for a specific artist, I think it's quite easy to, you might hear one tune mm-hmm. and then you're like, oh, I don't like that. And that's going to just uh, decide what you think about the artist overall, which isn't, it isn't great. It isn't ideal, but you, at the same time, people don't have a lot of time to do that for the most part. So you can't expect them to kind of go through seven or eight whole discographies in one day. Do you know what I mean? Um, so labels wise, I'm looking at Rushdown. I'm saying uh, Exo Bowl. I'm saying a Rank Collective. I don't know if you've heard of them. Um, who else am I saying? Um, I feel like there are so many that I'm just not quite thinking about. It's not quite dubstep, but like Inspected is a label that I know a lot of dubstep fans don't quite know of, but it's just um, incredible neuro-y, glitch-hoppy, dips into D&D kind of stuff. But basically, for me, it becomes a thing of if you're finding issues with uh, dubstep at any point, then just move into something like neuro or halftime or uh, drum and bass, in fact, like all these kind of things, which are just like, they have the heaviness of dubstep. It's just unleashed in a slightly different way, mm-hmm. in a slightly different format. You know, slightly different things are kind of pushed to the forefront of the music. But trust me, you will like it if you just give it a chance. But yeah, um, Inspected Veil is a fantastic label. Um, Where, W-A-R-E, is another good label for that. Um, all of Noisia's labels are incredible, of yes. course. Uh. Um, Wise, I did actually just think of someone called Aura Moon, Ooh. which is one word, um, okay. Aura and then Moon straight after it. Um, but honestly, like for me, Lizzie, like being asked that question, it's like every year it's I probably so get through around like 30,000 songs. So for me, it's like, you know, thinking of specific people it's becomes so, so difficult rough. because each and every name has got like a a little spot in my brain that I can't mm-hmm. like I can't identify at this very moment because there's so many. But I love the labels. Artists, but like I yeah. like the smaller labels because those labels, are the people yeah. who are next up. Those are the people in five years will be on the major labels or doing something even bigger than that. And um, I love. I'm gonna pronounce it incorrectly. Halicon, Halicon, Halcyon, Will Styles label. Halcyon. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There we go. I love. I Halcyon, love that label. Yeah, yeah. That's how I came across um, Trinergy, and and some of those guys who I'm I'm very fond of. Um, Trinergy, awesome. the goat. I mean, yeah, Trinergy is incredible. Trinergy is incredible. Yes. Yes. Very. I loved the um, whole wave. I thought it was just so amazing to hear music that was just not atonal, and I knew it existed, but like the he the whole future rhythm wave just took it to this like next level and I get it it's because like people aren't like frying up eggs in their kitchen to like rhythm totally get that but like the whole uh you know rush down coming to the forefront Asora all of these guys breaking through super fucking dope it makes me very hopeful and and very excited to see a lot of these guys starting to pop up on lineups absolutely yes completely yes. and wholeheartedly agree I am just I am just also gonna say um 
I'm going to mention Euphorian, who just dropped the Never maddest EP on Never Say Die. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to mention ACN as well. These these are just artists who are like slowly coming to mind. But ACN, A C Y A N, this guy is going to put out music that will like I've been I've been feeding back on his music. Right, I'm like. It was, I have to admit, it was the first time where I was like, I was taken aback. I was a bit gobsmacked. I was like, what on earth? What is going on here? So it is so, so rare, like, that I have that experience. So him, look out for ACN and also someone called Cadafox, which is C-A-D-O-F-O-X. Um, so yeah, those are a few more that I would give and awesome. recommend. Amazing. Thank you. I always, I always ask that at the end, take it with a grain of salt. I mean, I'll be excited to check a few of them out. I'll link the labels below, but I just wanted to thank you, Connor, for coming on today. I'm really glad we had to, you know, have this open-ended conversation. I've been, you know, I value your opinion highly. I think it's, it's really cool to be able to, I, I, I'm along the same lines with a lot of artists in, in the, you know, little niche community who, who really, you know, think a lot of your videos and and I'm glad you could come on here and speak to me and I, I really appreciate it. I'm going to link all of your stuff below and and I'll be looking forward to the change on your channel and um, yeah, that's about it. Sick. Awesome. Well, Sick. yeah, I mean, yes. thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. I, you know, I, I would happily do this like, you know, once a month or once every couple of months just like talking stuff through because that is like more so than pretty much, you know, anyone, if anyone else in the scene, like my, my thing is just talking about the music and letting the passion and the opinions flow. So like that, you know, having conversations like these, it's what I'm, it's what I'm here on this earth to do, you know? So yes, very no, much I love it. it. Sometimes you, you get people, you know, there are people who love to talk and there are people who don't like to talk. So it, <laughs> it's nice when I get to have an open-ended conversation where we're bouncing things back and forth. And then once you come to the States, we'll have to do it in person. We'll have to link up at a festival, do it in person. That would be sick. That'd be really sick. Well, I love that. you know, at the, at, at the moment, unfortunately, UK citizens oh, can't go to the US. I know. Um, whilst you guys can come here. And I'm really upset about that right now. I won't tell you why I'm upset about that. But, you know, I really would love to go to the US for a certain something that's coming up and like at the moment I can't so that Ugh, absolutely sucks. I can't even imagine well hopefully these these problems will be solved sooner than later this is my my daily reminder to do the right thing and if you're feeling sick stay home get commonly tested get the vaccine so we can all exist and listen to live music that would be uh wonderful so <laughs> but I'm gonna let there you go, go. Thank you, Connor. Um, I'm going to just stop recording real quick. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a good one. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the XO Podcast. I'm so thankful for each and every one of you that are return listeners and viewers. It means the world to me. And do not forget to check out my Patreon at www.patreon.com backslash this is Lizzie Jane for a first opportunity to hear these podcasts ad-free. Give us some input who you want to see on the podcast, ask questions, one-on-one lessons, group lessons, live streams, and so much more. 
This is Lizzie Jane, and I'll see you next week for another episode of the EXO Podcast.